Wait a minute. You like wrestling. Of course I like wrestling. That's why I hate it. Outlaws. Wrestling is better than the things you like. Outlaws. You'll take those rattlesnake fangs and you'll stick them right in my ass. What? Instead of like video recording the whole thing, maybe we should just video record us bopping <laughs> the music, and then just make a blank screen from the re- for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, the thing is, I always laugh when I hear the rattlesnake fangs bit, so that 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 throws me off. We need to find out where that's from. Why? Why is he taking anyway? Welcome, Adam. It's episode forty-two. Ooh. We're nearly hitting the big one. Yeah. Five oh, episode forty-two. We're going to talk about the Undertaker versus the Underfaker. We're in the new United Center in Chicago, Illinois. We're talking SummerSlam nineteen ninety-four. Your pick, my pick. Yeah, You're happy my, with it. My very instinctive. Don't look at the card. Just remember it's Brett and Owen in in the cage and pick it. Um, yeah. I, th- I think I think that's fine. I think you can add, have 42 episodes into this. I feel like a one-match card is fine. As long okay. as that one match is like Brett Owen in the cage. Okay. That, that, I, think, that's fair. I think you can put up with pretty, you know, guff. As long as there's something like, like that on it. Yeah, I, I was watching it because I, I watched it before you. And I was watching it thinking... Oh no! And you start to feel the guilt because you've you've inflicted that on, on someone else. You made someone else watch it for three hours, but it has some moments. It does. It does. Let's talk about August nineteen eighty four. Here's a question for you. Do you know why the SummerSlam was on a Monday? No idea. Hmm. Really weird day. Eh? A Monday night. I don't know why. Um, yeah. Well, I guess it was something to do with the opening of the United Centre. And did you know, Adam, that this was the only time WWF have ever been in the United Centre in Chicago? I didn't. You're dropping some impressive facts. Obviously used by AEW these days, but yeah, yeah. use a different one. Partly, there's a bigger one in Chicago, which is cheaper. Okay. Fair. Cool. Yeah. So there we go. You, you United Centre. SummerSlam. No, no, sorry. August 1994. Let's talk about that. Uh, so, Oasis released their debut album nice. in August 1994. Definitely, maybe. It became the fastest selling album ever in the UK. Nice. How do you think that happened back then? Like, obviously, now something becomes the fastest selling because of YouTube and social media uh-huh. and all that sort of stuff. And people stream music now anyway. But how do you think that happened at that time? Singles I'm, must be. I'm trying to think how, like, I heard about it and then bought it and then listened to it. Um, it was like number one in Woolworths. 
I always think I had an older brother who probably did influence my music taste a bit, but by '94, I'd, I'd like to think I was making my own choices. And uh, <laughs> but I went, I went a bit more blur because all my friends went Oasis, and I was a bit Ooh. like that. Oh, yeah, Mary. Yeah, but I did, I did love the album. It still, still uh, stands up well. It does. It definitely does. Um, so other things that went on. There's not much went on in August 1994. Um, but the notorious B.I.G. wed Faith Evans, the singer. Okay. He can't have been here that much longer, can he? Was it 96? Both of them died. Could have. Yeah, it must have been around then. Yeah. Here's a controversial one for you, Adam. R. Kelly also got married that this month oh, to no. 15-year-old Aaliyah. Oh, no. Yeah... Mm. That's just the start of it, as far as R. Kelly's rap sheet's concerned. <laughs> yes, it's, things haven't improved for him or her, you know. Looks <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> like Ric Flair. She was involved in a terrible plane crash. But he's still yeah. going. He's still going. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as of what time is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, some notable births. Oh, and deaths. More deaths. No, just a death. Um, a notable birth. Austin Gunn, son of Daddy Ass, was born in August 1994. Yep. I thought his boys were twins, but apparently not. Um, and Boris Malenko, this this left me feeling worked. Boris Malenko, father of Dean, passed away in August 1994. Ah, look at your face. You've oh. been worked too. Yeah. Yeah, I have. You've been work, worked by Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> because they had a whole thing centered around Di Malenko's dad dying in 1998. Yeah. Hmm. They had a whole feud around it. Yeah, that's thrown me a bit. Okay. Well played, Dean. I take everything what? back that I said about you. It wasn't as easy to research those things back then, I guess. So, yeah. Mm, true. Uh, so, UK number one on the music charts. I'll give, I'll give you a wee I'll give you a wee clue. Uh, it's it's from quite a popular film from back then, I think. <laughs> right, I'm gonna I, right. a, a UK based film. Right, okay, okay. Is it? Is it? Uh, wait, wait, wait. What's the song called again? I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Love is all around. Yes. 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 Right. That should be it. That's we walk away now. <laughs> I'll make love to you. Was the um, the US number one by Boys to Men? <laughs> huh? Nice. That's well. Okay. Did you think that was maybe your prize? Hey, well done. Yeah. Well done. Yes. That's impressive. Let's see if you can get UK box office number one. Oh August no. Ninety-four. Right. 94. A classic. A classic. I would say it's a, P a PG, I think. Oh, right. 1994. Right, okay. Fuck. Right. You said I would say it's a PG, which has thrown me off because I was thinking around then there must have been stuff. I remember going to the cinema too young when I saw Pulp Fiction and I thought maybe it's Pulp Fiction, but it can't mm. be if it's a PG. Mm. No. Although there is a common actor in both. <laughs> oh, no. I think. 
I think no. the guy that I think the guy that gets a scene to by um, Marcellus Wallace might be in this film. Oh no! <laughs> ah, see, my mind immediately went no. to like Bruce no, Marcellus Willis Wallace, Wallace is the one that gets a scene to. I think Mar- Marcellus Wallace isn't he the you know? Yeah, yeah. he he yeah he, he is yeah yeah. Um, is oh. he maybe the the one that gives the seeing? Oh fuck knows! I think I've maybe butchered this. Well, I'll just tell you. Yeah, tell me. It's the mask. Ah, oh, okay. Is is he in that? Okay. Long time guy, since I've seen that. You know the bad guy, Cameron Diaz's boyfriend. Yeah. I think that, I think oh, he's in okay. Pulp Fiction. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Please check IMDb. U.S. box office number one. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Black and white. Oh, um, uh, the oh, was that the Chaplin movie? No, no. Am what? I butchering this? Is it maybe Robert? <laughs> you just forgot who every actor is. Natural Born Killers, don't you know? Oh, he is. He's the reporter guy. Yeah, <laughs> Who's he's the reporter that? guy that's kind of glorifying everything that's that's going on. Um, yes. gets Woody Harrelson. Um. And uh, oh, I've forgotten her name. Was in everything for a while. I've forgotten her Juliet name. Juliet Lewis. That's no? it. Yeah. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Cool. Well, my apologies for making an arse of that. <laughs> Just wait till we get to Mabel versus Jeff Jarrett. Oh no, <laughs> things will improve then. So, aye, that's us. August ninety four. Well done for the UK number one. I mean, it was probably number one for about nine months so as long as i got the right year i was probably going to get the pay-per-view impressive yeah Yeah. okay so straight into it summerslam 94 and what a way every pay-per-view should open with the macho man's music from now on yeah my main takeaway this is last ever wwf pay-per-view appearance Oh, was it? I got really confused because his music starts and he comes out and I thought, are they just giving him like his music as an intro to go and join the commentary booth? Because that's kind of what I was expecting to go on. But then yeah. it seemed he was hosting the show without really doing yeah, very much. Yeah, like the, the compare at a wedding introducing the, the yeah. people doing the speeches. It was rubbish. Yeah, and I think strange. he speaks another couple of times, but just yeah. his music popped me immediately. Uh, I loved that. Yeah, yeah. What a he guy. came out, he introduced... Vince and King had a cheeky little dig at King, not being a real king. Um, yeah. And then I think we pretty much, you know, Vince probably mentioned the United Center being brand new about 5,000 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go go straight into our first match, which, again, I've got I've got more background for you on this one. You probably okay. know this one, though. Um, so the Head Shrinkers were the tag team champions, and this was supposed to be Bam Bam and IRS. Yeah, he knows it. He's not in his head. Yep. Uh, this was supposed to be them for the titles, and IRS and Bam Bam were supposed to take the titles. Um, but Shawn Michaels and the Click decided that it was important to keep a belt on Kevin Nash, um, and they're going to take the Intercontinental title off him tonight on this pay-per-view. So the night before at a house show, Shawn Michaels and Diesel beat the Head Shrinkers for the tag team titles. Yeah, sucked for IRS and Bam Bam. It does. Yeah. Maybe that's why Bray Wyatt's so messed up in the head. I, I, I assume this is prime 
Sean being an asshole, Sean trying to just get things his way, that's probably it. Just kind of starting early days of that, I would have thought. Yeah, it's only going to get worse for a while. Yeah. The, the fact that Hall and Nash are facing each other and Michaels is on the side with, with a tag mm-hmm. team belt is, <laughs> says yeah. a lot, really. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, a, that's unfortunate for IRS and Bam Bam, who Bam Bam Big Low, especially, we've both got quite a lot of time for. Yep. Apart absolutely. from that. That final oh. episode of Nitro where he just looked like he'd packed yeah. up and went home. I try to forget about that one. <laughs> so we had Captain Lou Albano and Afa. Afa, yep. Coming out with the head shrinkers, Samu and Fatu. I won't I won't try and speculate on which one's Rikishi because I'll get it wrong. Yeah, I struggled a bit trying to, like, when I was doing my notes and watching it, just trying to differentiate between the two of them, because, um, you know, they're they're pretty similar. So, yeah, I, there's a lot of points in my notes where I just say something like, a head shrinker, or something <laughs> like that. Do you know, I used to think the head shrinkers was a really cool name and gimmick and stuff like that, but now, knowing that they were called the Samoan SWAT team, mm. it just seems rubbish. That's yeah. a badass name for a tag team. It is, yeah, and it, yeah. I I remember being quite when I was young and first saw them, being a, bit, a little bit like they're quite intimidating. You know, they're incredibly mm. aggressive. Um, yeah, I think I think there were periods of time when I quite liked this team actually. Um, just that they're a bit different, a bit different to what yeah. you would normally see on the card. But yeah, good guys. You kind of hurt them by hitting them in the head. Mm. They did yeah. the super kicks and they were pretty mobile. They're really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the uh, the crowd were on IRS from the start of this. There, uh, <laughs> this he's he's never been a fan favorite. Um, but yeah, the, the I remember through various periods of of time, it seemed that hearing her his name chanted at him really upset him. He did not like Ir- the, like Irwin the slow Irwin chant. <laughs> uh, class, it's a funny pairing. I think it um, but they were describing. Were they describing this sort of faction as the corporation? So it was the no, million, million dollar, dollar corporation. Yeah, million dollar corporation. So um, obviously led by Ted DiBiase, who I think at this point had stepped away from being in ring uh, mm. as a performer. So they were kind of keeping him around. I, I can't think who else ended up as part of that. There was definitely more uh, than just IRS and Bam Bam. So- Spoiler alert, Tanka might have been. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> Somehow I've blocked that from my mind as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he. I think it was just a, a way of, of keeping DiBiase on the programming, kind of keeping him relevant um, and giving him a... I suppose he, he, he looks pretty natural as like a heel manager type role. Yeah, um, yeah he's good. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think... Uh, I was never that like I've seen like old stuff of um, Mike Rotundo uh, in ring being you know uh, just a like almost collegiate type performer. I never yeah. bought the IRS thing. I don't know why. It just didn't didn't work for me. Nah, I always thought. I remember like if I was to think back and again your 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 um, your memory's clouded by seeing them in WCW. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. sort of collegiate wrestler type character. Yeah. Um, IRS a jobber to me uh, if I think yeah. back which yeah. is funny mm-hmm. um, I, I don't I, I, 
honestly don't have a, a huge amount of notes. I didn't mind this match. Um, I enjoyed seeing Bam Bam looking pretty athletic and, and mobile. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of playing the, um, this is the team and Bam Bam is the strong link on the other side. Uh, that that kind of comes across. Um, yeah. You've got spots like where they, one of the head shrinkers tries to slam Bam 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 collapses over onto him and it's a, a two count quite a lot of double team moves from the head shrinkers which i like I like seeing in a team always like a the, fan of that yep yeah um there's a double kick uh, on bam bam um I've, I've written uh clearly being a wee bit sarcastic that bam bam <laughs> gets the hot tag to irs who the crowd are a little bit mean to in, the, in this interchange uh, and irs basically just comes in and gets his ass kicked straight away by the the other team um, they are they're kind of on top until there's a, a spot where bam bam who's outside the ring lowers the ropes uh, when irs is, is propelled the, the head shrinker into them and uh, that head shrinker goes out to the floor uh, bam bam hits a uh, Fatou's head onto IRS's briefcase, which is sitting in their corner. Um, and then I've got Bam Bam and Fatou each go for a clothesline, uh, both connect and both down for a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's like a that's like a car crash. That has a huge mm-hmm. big impact between the two of them. What what I quite liked is like these the, the head shrinkers, they're they're quite believable, you know, their their moveset and all that's quite quite realistic and believable. But much as I got the impression this is this team i think is a vehicle for bam bam he's he's mm-hmm. to be the standout star and all this but they didn't look even when it was one on one totally outmatched and overwhelmed by uh, bam bam they were they were kind of putting up a fight um, mm-hmm. i assume they don't want to cuz they've just lost the titles the night before um this this match you know it's it's one of them two defeats in a row and is a wee bit like is this team a bit weak now all of a sudden mm-hmm. having just been mm-hmm. champs two nights ago um but it didn't it, the match didn't play out like that it didn't kind of make them look weak it just kind of made bam bam look like a bit of a badass and he's keep him strong right. yeah um and we're always impressed by just how quick bam bam moves for mm-hmm. for a guy his size it's not something you see very often do you know they showed uh, later on in the programme as well, just talking about Bam Bam, they show a little bit of footage from the Royal Rumble that year when The Undertaker gets it's that match between him and Yokozuna, the, uh-huh. the casket match when he gets but you know, the whole um, heel locker room has to come out and help him. Yeah. And uh, when they put him in the casket, like Bam Bam like hops up onto the casket and he's like a cat crawling across it. They just look so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. kind of freaky. It's it's it shouldn't he shouldn't be able to do that stuff. <laughs> um we've got a few a few more spots. Uh, we've got uh, Samu back body dropping IRS and Bam Bam, which was that quite was cool. impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um Samu with a, a headbutt off the turnbuckle on IRS for a two. That was cool as well. Top rope was very Uso-esque. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, head shrinkers with a double headbutt and like a face plant move on IRS. Samu going for a big splash on IRS from the top, but uh, DiBiase has the ref distracted. Uh, Bam Bam dragging Fatu out, uh, takes him to the outside. Captain Lou, poor Captain Lou, uh, is on the apron. Bam Bam takes him out. 
Uh, Afa comes in and is going after Bam Bam at this point. Afa and the head shrinker start uh, triple teaming Bam Bam, kicks and headbutts all over the place. And uh, Vince seems very confused here on commentary. I don't know why. I mean, it's quite clear that the uh, the head shrinkers have been disqualified for uh, for the for Afa coming in and getting involved in the situation. But Vince can't quite seem to believe this. He keeps uh, waiting to see what the decision is, and it's like, yeah, they, they have won. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, it kind of made sense if they were supposed to be putting the titles on these guys tonight, um, have a, a little bit of a, a fluff finish uh, mm. between them. I don't think you want to kill off the head shrinkers at this point by having them just taking another like clean defeat when we've just mm. been told that they just lost the night before. Um, but then maybe there's still a long-term plan for, well, certainly for Bam Bam, I've got the impression, but for Bam Bam yeah. and IRS as well. Uh, I think um, Afa looks absolutely terrifying. If yeah. he got in the ring, I would jump out of the ring immediately. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, what was uh, Afa and... Sika. 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 Wild yeah. Simones. Yeah. 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 He was crazy. It was, was an early start, I thought. It was fine. Yeah. I, 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 like, I think we always both find uh, Bam Bam entertaining. Um and yeah, head shrinkers are kind of fun. And I remember some stuff of them. I remember seeing them against the Steiners and thinking that was pretty cool. I can't remember what pay per view nice. it was on, but I thought that was Ooh. that was a good like uh, match up. Uh, like but yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was it was probably better than I expected it to be. If I'm being honest, do you know what's not fun? Mm, yeah, I do. Uh, Leslie Nielsen being inserted a little like sort of. It's like waiting for your um, favourite artist to put out an album and they've got Kevin Hart skits every second song. <laughs> Why? So that, so that we get dotted throughout this pay-per-view. We get Leslie Nielsen. Not, um, what was his name? Frank. Frank Dr- Drebin. Yeah. Dr- not Frank Drebin. Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. But he's playing Frank Drebin, but they call him Leslie Nielsen. Uh-huh. Um, and he's on the hunt for The Undertaker. And I don't know who the other gentleman is that he ropes in with him, but he's even more of a buffoon. Yeah, he's he's. His, I'm trying to remember if he's a sidekick in both Police Squad and in the Naked Gun films, like, or if it's just one of those that he's in with him. The thing is, I I, I watched those films and I watched that show and I found it quite entertaining. Oh, but they're they're funny. But, I, I was initially confused as to why they're telling me this is Leslie Nielsen, but he's acting just like Frank Drebin. So I'm thinking, what, <laughs> why, what is going on there? But also, just this—I don't know—it just felt shit. They're having this in. It just maybe at the time I would have thought, oh, that's quite funny, but I don't think I did. Um, yeah, no. I didn't enjoy like, this. The, the under the whole Undertaker thing in itself, I would have been twelve at the time. I think. I think I thought it was awesome. Mm. I definitely remember thinking that Royal Rumble stuff was awesome. It's incredibly <laughs> horrible now, but I remember thinking it was amazing at the time. Um, but then put this in with it as well, it's just too much. Too much. Too much silliness. Do you know what's yeah. not too much silliness though, Adam? What's that? Bull Nakano and Alundra Blaze. Yeah. For the ladies, not the ladies, the women's WWF Championship. Champion Alundra Blaze taking on Bull Nakano, who I believe is the first ever Japanese born professional wrestler to challenge for a title in WWF. 
Okay. Okay. Taka Michinoku being the second one. I was trying to think, because, you know, um, women's wrestling was either not spotlighted or it just wasn't on the card for, for quite a long time and in a mm-hmm. lot of matches. And I was trying to think if, you know, this year or the year before or the year after, if there was much in the way of women's uh, wrestling spotlighted on pay-per-views, because there was nothing just springing to mind. Like when I, I think there was a match at WrestleMania 10, the women's match, but I can't tell you who it was, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. I can't remember either, but I think you're right. Yep. Um, and Alindra Blaze was she must have been around and been champion for quite a long time, but maybe without doing all that many either TV shows or pay per views. Um, um, but yeah, Bull Bull Nakano wasn't someone I was like immediately aware of. I, I had to think, well, have I, have I seen this performer before? Um, and she was paired with Luna Vachon, who's always a kind of, you know ball of aggressive energy uh, outside the ring Um, so yeah I I thought I actually thought this was okay Um, I I think I went in thinking "Mm, I'm not sure about this but Mm -hmm. probably pleasantly surprised I would say yeah me too genuinely I I said to you I think this was my second favourite match on the card I, I legit enjoyed it it's crazy to me and we don't know who's been on the rest of the pay-per-views for 94, 95, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy to me if after this match, how they did not build on this. And, and maybe the women's wrestlers yeah. aren't available um, and, and enough. They maybe aren't enough available to, to build on it. But this match was amazing, especially mm-hmm. Bill Nakano. She was really impressive. Yeah. Um you haven't seen it, her before, no, is that what you were saying? I, I didn't think so. Like I, I can't I can't think of having seen her before. Um and I, I was when I heard the name, I thought, do I kinda recognise the name? I think I do, but I, I wouldn't have been able to put a face to the name or anything like that, or even a, a style um mm-hmm. or anything like that, which uh quite a, again, quite a nice contrast to styles, I thought. because mm-hmm. um, yep. she was obviously uh, very powerful. Bull Nakano um, using using strength her advantage, whereas you got the impression Blaze, uh, Alundra Blaze, a little more seasoned, um, a little more patient, uh, wrestling skill and speed um, yep. in terms of how she was going to work. So, so yeah, quite a nice contrast, I thought. I've got some complimentary things written down here about Alundra Blaze, which I will not repeat. Okay, but um, I was very impressed with her shorts. <laughs> Uh, Bull Nakano was pulling out I've never how class is it to watch a wrestling pay-per-view and see a move that you've never seen before in 1994 she did a a sharpshooter and then instead of turning round to face her back she, she kept facing the front of her and then pulled almost in like a surfboard she kind of pulled Alundra Blaze's head back yeah. Whilst in the sharpshooter, sure, I've never seen uh-huh. anything like it. It was amazing. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know if they gave any kind of name because I didn't know what to call it in my notes. I was like, I just wrote that Bull locked in a pretty cool looking submission hold. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just didn't know how how best to describe it. I think, yeah, sharpshooter and then a variation on that. That's probably the the best way. Um, and she did a one arm Boston crab as well. Uh huh. Yeah. Never, uh, I've never seen that before either. 
No, and um, I, I was pretty impressed with the athleticism from Alindra Blaze as well. There was a Hurricane Rana in there. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, probably really naive of me, but I just wasn't expecting to see that in a women's match in 1994. Just didn't expect I it. Yeah. Um, she also hits some pretty awesome-looking sling blade-like clotheslines. She does three in a row. Yeah. Um, look very re- reminiscent of what Finn Balor does these days. I wonder mm-hmm. if that's where she's yeah. um, inspiration from. Poor Bull, though she misses a, a devastating-looking leg drop mm-hmm. from the top rope, which made my spine shake when she landed because that looked mm. pretty sore. Um, and Alundra Blaze hit like a ridiculous German suplex. How how athletic was that German suplex? Mm-hmm. That was impressive. Like I, I, I'm watching thinking, kind of thinking what a shame because I'm guessing maybe wasn't paired with an awful lot of workers she could have done that with uh, in those days. But yeah, mm. impressive. I felt I felt bad that Bull Nakano didn't actually win. Um, I wonder if this was a one and done or. Yeah, it made me think that because it seemed the way the match went and the story of the match, it seemed like you would have a natural she would win, and then Blaze would chase getting the title back. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe you're right. Maybe it was a a one and done situation. That'd be a shame. I'd like to see her again. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, Alundra Blaze retains. Uh, the women's title, and she goes on to uh, she goes on to fight for it again in 1998 or something like that. Probably mm. <laughs> a yeah. four-year reign with one match. No, uh. I've, I've no idea. I'm sure she's a Hall of Famer, Alundra Blaze, isn't she? Yeah. So Alundra Blaze is a uh, oh, what was her other name? What? Uh, Alundra Blaze. Sunny. <laughs> I thought she looked a wee bit like Sonny, to be fair. Uh, Alundra Blaze was, was Medusa. Uh, oh, was, was it her that put the, the belt in the bin? Yes. Ah, yeah. I didn't realise that's who that was. Yeah, so she yeah she turned up on Nitro and binned the women's title because she still had it because nobody had bothered taking it off her. Because That's amazing. I cares. didn't realise that's who that was. So yeah. that can only have been 95, 96. Yeah. Yeah, um, I know it gave them, it's, it's one of the reasons given for them having a bit of fear about Brett having the, the belt so late in his uh, contract uh, before mm. the screw job. Love it. I did not know that. There you go. Um, we've got your boy Todd Pettengill backstage with uh, the new tag team champions, Shawn Michaels and Diesel. Uh, quite like this promo. I thought Nash looked like, like 100% like a main eventer. Mm-hmm. Proper star, um, yeah. I thought it was a good promo. I did not like that Shawn Michaels appeared to be doing some sort of Andrew Dice Clay impression towards the end. I can't even remember what I said, but I was just like, what was he doing? Yeah, I mean, full on soma era Shawn Michaels yeah. here. It was a bit straight. Like, yeah, I, I agreed about uh, Kevin Nash. I, I quite liked the fact he was um, basically calling out Scott Hall. You know, knowing their actual story between them and yeah. what's coming and all that. Um, obviously, they worked together quite a bit and the three within this group worked together quite a lot. Um, and we found out that Walter Payton was going to be in uh, in Razor Ramon's corner. So Walter Payton being a former Chicago Bears running back um, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously the show being in Chicago, that was just a way of adding that little bit of extra, I think, to 
to Razor, uh, much as he was going to be the be- the big baby face going in here anyway. Yep. Sold sweetness himself. Uh, and fun fact for you, Walter Payton's son is called Jarrett. Okay. Na- named after Walter's favourite wrestler, I believe. Yeah. It, mm. Okay. He is called Jarrett. I'm sure it's not <laughs> after J-E-F-F. <laughs> um, talk to me about Diesel's music. What the fuck? Like, the, I, I, I assume it's supposed to sound like, I don't know, there's a big truck coming towards you. Um, and there's some horn noises, and then, yeah, it's just kind of a bit. I don't know. I, I, I worry. You know, he th- there was even before he he made the the jump and all that. There was always something pretty cool about him. Um, but I don't feel like that the music really fitted that. Nah, nah, hundred percent. It it reminded me. It reminds me of Braun Strowman. And just like I just that, <laughs> and also that what's that movie? I think it's maybe got Paul Walker in it, and the guy on the CB radio is called him. Can is he called him Candy Cane? Oh, I know the exact one you mean. He's like on a road trip with his brother, who's just out of jail or something like that, and some girl. Uh, yeah, start trying to wind some poor. Guy yeah, up. I can't remember, but it, it made me think of that. Okay. I think he could have done with better music. Yeah. I wonder if he, did he not have like sort of like country-ish type music later on when he was champion? Oh, did he? I can't actually remember. Every time I think of him, I just think of the NWO music because that's mm. what it's just so synonymous with him. But yeah, possibly. And, and talking to people looking like stars is uh, we speak about Scott Hall. Probably we we speak about this every time we see him. But he just looks he's so over. Mm-hmm. Crazy over, and ah, he's got Walter Payton there, it adds to it, but he just looks like a champion as well. He looks like a main event. Mm-hmm. I, uh, on the flip side, I did like his music, I always liked it. Oh, yeah, tremendous! Yeah, yeah. just Absolutely. worked, yeah. Um, ah, so you you text me saying that you had some issues with this pay per view, and as I was watching this match, I wondered if this match was one of them, um, and I tell you why i just felt it didn't feel very um formulaic as far as heel gets on top baby face makes a baby face type comeback okay i felt like they were just seesawing back and forward with offense almost constantly and it kind of lost me a wee bit okay to be honest yeah this so when i'd messaged you this wasn't one of the, the things I had a specific issue with. We've already touched on one of them, which was Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> uh, that just really annoyed me. But I think in this, I don't know, there was something, you know, normally when I go back and watch a match and I'm writing my notes and all that, I get a little bit caught up in a lot of the time in some of the technical, what's the move set and all that. I think I more found myself with this, just watching back thinking, this is pretty cool. I don't know why. I just thought these guys just before they're about to become, or a little bit before they're about to become two of the very biggest stars uh, in wrestling, um, knowing that they're they're basically just mates, all these guys are getting in the same car at the end of the show. Um, mm. And I felt like they were just, almost like they were just kind of having fun. Um, mm. Which, I don't know, it, it just, uh, I wasn't like this match, I've, I do have some notes, I don't have a huge number because I just found myself sitting back and watching thinking, ah, this is, this is good fun. I like that. 
I'm kind of um, envious of you actually, because <laughs> uh, like Michaels was doing the whole heel thing that you'd expect him to do on the outside. He's been yeah. a weasel, mm-hmm. um, but in his own Michaels type of way, where he was trying to steal a lot of the, the camera time. Yeah, um, whether it be flying off the apron and landing right in front of the fans, or um, you know, like flying off the the steps and hitting Razor with a clothesline mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I did, it, I, it was a wee bit too much for me, I have to be honest. Yeah, I get that. I did think when I was watching some of this, I did wonder, if you're um, Kevin Nash or Scott Hall, are you a bit annoyed that it feels like he's trying to steal a lot of the spotlight uh, in this match? But I suppose they're all, you know, close mates and all that. Yeah. Um, but what the other thing I wondered about that I put in my notes, if I'm Vince... And obviously, he's on commentary, and I'm watching this. I would never think that that guy being a bit of a weasel manager on the outside is my future world champion. I felt like he mm. wasn't, he didn't come across anywhere near that level. And I don't know if it's just the role he's playing here. Um, mm-hmm. He very much came across as sidekick. Um, it was, yeah. it was odd. Almost like a, an Enzo and Cass type situation. Yeah. Yeah. Where he, he could look like the like you're saying, like the little sidekick, the little cheeky little bugger, whilst he's mm-hmm. the the massive guy that does all the damage. Yeah, I can see that. Mm. It's funny. Let's not try and get inside Vince's head. <laughs> Although, given that picture that we saw of him in that restaurant, you and I could possibly fit inside oh, his head, oh, given that. what he appears to have had done it. <laughs> that that was terrifying. <laughs> um. Errol, he- I don't know if it was Dave or Errol. I think it was Errol Hebner. He completely lost control of this match. Yeah, I think I may be taking it a little bit too seriously in my notes here, but I am like, this is a disgrace. Hebner has lost control of this match. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely taking it more seriously than I did when watching it. Like, I've, I've, I've got some notes. I do have, um, like, so there's a there's a story playing out where um, Michaels is trying to remove the turnbuckle pad. And it starts playing out quite quite early on. Um, and uh, Earl Hebner realises at a point that, that this is happening, uh, or this has happened. And he just, uh, I think uh, Kevin Nash has got Scott Hall, he's ready to throw him into that uncovered turnbuckle. And Earl Hebner just stands over it, um, blocking it, saving um, Scott Hall. Uh, what what a hero, Errol. I mean, he may have lost control of the match, but he saved a man's life. <laughs> Aye, that's one way of looking at it. Poor, it's poor ring IQ from, from Nash. If he'd, if he'd put Razor into Hebner, then Michaels could have got in. He could have mm. switched in music to him. Let's be honest, Walter Payton was doing absolutely nothing to help Razor Ramon, yeah, I did. this whole match, I, looking a little bit lost. I do have in my notes that, <laughs> that uh, I've, I've re- I tried to stick to writing Razor Ramon and Diesel. It was quite difficult when I was doing my notes, but I did write that he, he has picked the wrong uh, sidekick. He's he's just leaving him out to dry. This, this guy is doing absolutely nothing. And all the while, Shawn Michaels is non-stop trying to interfere, get involved, remove turnbuckle pads, distract the ref, everything. And the whole time, Walter Payton's just sitting there, just standing there, just letting the world go by. Yeah. 
I think it. Yeah. Apparently, he did it because his son was a big fan of the WWF and he wanted to do something for his son. Fair enough. Um, and apparently, Michaels had said to him, they'd wanted to do a. Michaels had wanted to do a spot where Walter Payton chased him, but he wanted him to legit chase him as fast as he could. And Payton was just like, "Nah, because I'll catch you." Yeah, that sounds like sounds pretty pretty much like Michael's. I would have thought that one would be quite obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's get let's get to the finish. Sean is inevitably involved, gets in the ring, and uh, I guess Hebner's down at this point, or is he just preoccupied with Peyton? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Hebner is with Peyton uh, at that point. Uh, when Michaels sees the the opportunity to to get himself involved uh, and get into the ring, uh, while I th- I th- and I think he he's just getting into the ring as Diesel's holding uh, Razor, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Yeah, uh, Michaels going for the sweet chin music, but Razor moving at the last second, and Michaels kicks Diesel. Disaster. Um. Michaels, we've got this. Maybe this is the chase scene. Uh, Michaels and Peyton uh, on the outside as uh, Razor recovers and manages to get an arm across Diesel. Um, but the the ref, the ref has spent a little bit of time uh, involved with Michaels and Peyton, but he does come back in and uh, manages to count the the pin, the three for the new Intercontinental Champion Razor Ramon. Tremendous. Now is this the same year? I, I, I think I went and looked back, but now I can't remember it. This is the same year that they had the ladder match. Uh, yes, that would have been. Yeah, the, the WrestleMania ten was this year. Yeah, oh, that's crazy to think. So, who won that? Razor won that. R- Razor won the ladder match. Yeah. So him and Diesel, I take it, passed the IC belt back and forward. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Um, I hadn't actually. I'd, I'd look back just to make sure that was the right WrestleMania. I hadn't looked forward to see if they kept uh, working with each other because it looks at this point like they're they're starting to just put the issues in with uh, Diesel and Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. because uh, uh, Diesel very much sees uh, that match as uh, Michaels cost him the uh, the title. So yeah. I assume that that's. I don't know if it's about to erupt or if they're going to drag it on quite a bit longer i was trying to remember if they face or who i was trying to remember what happened at wrestlemania 11 but i couldn't quite remember is it like diesel's yeah it's, it's diesel sean diesel sean is it yeah sid is with uh who does it hmm. now nah, sid mustn't be on that show Sid is the new bodyguard for Sean, so he's in his corner at is WrestleMania he? 11. Yeah, he, oh, like that. he is the big man replacement for Diesel once this is all totally broken down. But he, he would be established in the way. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he's, I think it's one of those when it's quite obvious he's there to do this role until he turns on michaels in all likelihood or, or you know makes himself a, a main event star because i mean he's got another title run in him at this point mm-hmm. said mm-hmm. Aye. amazing i love that do you know what i don't actually think i've ever watched wrestlemania 11 really uh, 
bottom to the top. It gets a lot. I think of, the main event always puts me off. It does get a lot of flack because it's that's the Bam Bam and Lawrence Taylor match, mm-hmm. um, and you know it, it felt like that shouldn't be your main event. And I still look back and think that probably shouldn't be your main event. But I do know, and I think it's always said that Bam Bam did a hell of a job in getting the match he gets out mm-hmm. of him. Um, so yeah, it's by no means a classic WrestleMania though. I need to watch it. Um, just to uh, go back to this match, so that the yeah again, Peyton is involved, I but the crowd are mad for for Diesel yeah. and Razor and Sean. Yeah. Um, and like you say, it does kind of feel like they're operating in their own wee silo, especially being quite far down the card as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a a mid card main event sort of thing, if you know. What yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, aye. Enjoyable, enjoyable. Yeah, I think that they've definitely all had better matches, but I think I wonder if, you know, I I think I always found Michaels and uh, Scott Hall entertaining. You know, you think back to the ladder matches and things like that. Um, but maybe that, you know, Scott Hall, who was quite a big guy, working with a smaller guy, maybe that suited a little bit better than the two big guys. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it just probably worked a little bit better from a chemistry point of view. So we're backstage again with your boy, Todd Pettengill. Um, and he is with Lex, he's with Lex Luger and Tatanka. And all I can think of now is that song off of that WWF Superstars album that's like, dun, 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 Tatanka, Buffalo. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Do you remember that? Eh? Oh, I do now. Um, it, it didn't spring to my mind when I was watching this, but yep. There it is. Popped in, popped in our heads. Um, Tatanko. Tatanko? I don't remember Tatanka ever cutting a promo in my life. I mean, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, a little bit of background here seems to be that Tatanka suspects that Lex Luger uh, has aligned himself with Ted DiBiase and his million dollar corporation. Um, there was there was there was a poll I think that Todd Pettengill told <laughs> us about uh, from the fans, which didn't seem that overwhelming, but it did confirm that that more believed that Luger had sold out to was the. Was it only fifty one forty It was really it was clearly. I wonder if they just went with the genuine poll result rather than trying <laughs> to tell the story. Um, the one time they reported an accurate figure, they just said that. <laughs> um, so yeah, Tatanka, who I got the impression these guys had been close, and now it had all fallen apart. Um, yeah. Tatanka's indicating he can't trust Lex. It's obvious Lex is sold out. Uh, Lex Luger is is full of denial. He's not having it. He's 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 angry at being accused of this. Um, so yeah, this is this is the beef that's leading to the match. Hmm. Yep, it did not grab me, I'm afraid. So, so I was thinking back. We, so we've we've watched a Tatanka Lex Luger match before, King of the Ring '93. I think it went oh, to a draw. Yeah, that's right. And this was very reminiscent of that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if I even remembered that, but I do have in the top line of my notes just the words: "I have no enthusiasm for this match." It's Luger. So, so at this point, I think. I Luger's baby face, he's been Lex Express, mm-hmm. Lex Luger and all that. And the fans are booing him. I think he's supposed to be a like I say, a baby face. T- 
Tanka's also supposed to be mm-hmm. a baby face. I, I guess they have been teaming together, like you're saying, and um, we think DiBiase's coming between them. This whole you sold out thing is just a bit lame. You can see Tatanka's heel turn coming from like SummerSlam 92. Uh, I hated this. This was a slog to get through. Yeah. There's, not, there's nothing, you know, like, yes, it does some tomahawk chops and uh, uh, some one drop. And <laughs> has Lex still got the, the, the pin on his forearm or is that done? Uh, I, I don't know if it was actually mentioned. I, I, I think my mind has been wandering while I've been watching the match. And, uh, this, the second line of my notes is the ref's got a mullet. So I'm just not, I'm clearly not invested in what's going on here. They're obviously, you know, both portrayed as power guys. Um, Tatanka's massive. Um, And uh, yeah, there's like you mentioned, there's the chops, there's um, Tatanka coming off the top, uh, Luger moves, Tatanka hits the mat, clothesline by Luger, and then DiBiase's approaching uh, the ringside with a bag. A really like it's like a sports bag or something like that. Yeah, like, like a red and it's like supposed to be like American colors because yeah, you know, makes Luger's because yeah. Luger's everything red, blue, and white. <laughs> and uh, Luger distracted by DiBiase. I mean, you know, we think he's in on this. Obviously, nobody is doubting this at all. Uh, Tatanka out of nowhere rolls Luger up. There was an incredibly fast count by the mullet ref. Like oh, I on. think if think anyone, he's been paid off as well. I think if anyone has been paid off, it's the ref. Like I've seen what's supposed to be a fast count at times. I always remember uh, Mike Tyson in the Austin Michaels. Oh, uh, that that seemed like a really fast count, but this this was even quicker. Wow. Um, so yeah, uh, Luger um, isn't happy with the whole situation. He kicks the hand of DiBiase, and money goes flying. He goes after him, but right then. This is where it all it all becomes clear. Tatanka hits Luger from behind. Buffalo. And then is it like a, is it a Samoan drop Tatanka does on Luger? Mm-hmm. Something like that. It's pretty um, cool. And it turns out it's Tatanka who's joined the million dollar corporation. Can't believe it. Stunned. <sighs> Absolutely stunned. And as if we've no wasted enough time watching this match, <laughs> they then prolong it for another good five <laughs> on eight ten minutes as Tatanka to be fair you know like he comes a, does come across quite heelish and looks pretty mm-hmm. vicious he's laying it uh, on thick the crowd they care no they don't. <laughs> it's like look at this dude they do not care yeah like yeah if he'd been doing this to I don't know Bret Hart or something like that then yeah but yeah they don't care yeah as you say he keeps on attacking him he puts the million dollar dream on uh, Lex Luger Des McMahon seems very unhappy that all this is going on. Mm. And then uh, I think that the last sort of moment of the segment is them stuffing money into Luger's mouth. <sighs> all very mm-hmm. unpleasant. I tell you, Gorilla Monsoon was very unimpressed. He was. Yeah. Was he on the hotline or something? Yeah, it looked like it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was not impressed. So I have to admit that at this point, I was nearly falling asleep. Um, so I'll tell you what my notes say and then you can fill in the blanks so we've got Jeff Jarrett versus Mabel Mabel being Big Daddy V Viscera and all other um, Lillian Garcia bothering versions of him <laughs> uh, Jeff Jarrett's very much well I mean Jeff Jarrett's 
playing the only gimmick that he ever played. He's not going anyone slap nuts, but it's uh, what you'd expect. Um, this is like a the type of match that would open a Raw, maybe, in yeah. 1994. Yeah. So I've got, I'm nodding off. This is my notes. I'm nodding off, so I should probably switch this off. Wait, Jarrett won. Did he roll him up? Big Mabes is raging. Those are my notes. Okay. Okay, I'll 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 talk through my notes. Ah shit. <laughs> this show was a bad pick. <laughs> my bad. Jarrett is doing his strat. I've always said this for me, Jarrett has go away heat. Like I just oh I don't want to watch when he comes on. And it's not like the heat you want is to want to see him get beaten up. I just want to change the channel. That can't be what anyone wants. Um but you, you really enjoy his podcast, though. Well, he's got some interesting stories because he, you know, he held up Vince for money. He uh, he got basically fired on the night that uh, Raw Invasion, uh, was on Nitro, the simulcast, all that. He's, he does have some good stories. Um, he, he walked out on the company immediately after dropping a belt to China or something. Like, you know, there's quite a lot of them. Um, and, you Do know... You know He's with his dad as well. He'd had that that sort of territories life as well yeah. before. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So um, he was really good on that um, Tales from the Territories episode mm-hmm. on Memphis, uh, where they were talking about the feud between King and Andy Kaufman. Yes, I have seen him, that one. Yeah, have you him and him and Jerry Jarrett? They're good storytellers. Yeah, that's actually the only one I've watched so far, but it was good. I enjoyed that's that. Great. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, go away heat. Yeah. I just I, I just hate seeing him on screen. Um yeah, so uh Mabel Power uh and does his own strat uh Jarrett showing some agility and athleticism, but I just don't care. Um Mabel hitting elbows and clotheslines. Uh Jarrett catches Mabel while he's taking forty five minutes to climb the ropes. Uh <laughs> I've got Jarrett locking in a sleeper, but Mabel squashing him in the corner. Jarrett keeps applying the sleeper over and over again. Um, and then a spinning heel kick by Mabel, which yeah, oh, I was remember seeing that. Yeah. Um, Who who's the wee guy that was with Mabel? Was that nah, his tag team partner guy? Nah, this was their manager guy. He was called Oscar. Mm. Um, so it was what was his what was his tag team partner? Mo. Called? Amazing. Mo and Mabel. Uh, Men on a mission. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll just get to the finish. Um, Jarrett uh, goes out to attack Oscar. Mabel comes out, holds Jarrett for Oscar a slap. Um, Mabel going for a splash from the second rope, but Jarrett moves. Mabel hits the mat. Jarrett tries to roll up Mabel. He then tries to sit on Jarrett. Thank God Jarrett moved, but he gets the pin win just from, I don't know, Mabel sitting down. Um, okay. Yeah. Do you know Jarrett was involved in putting The Undertaker in that casket at the Royal Rumble? Oh, was he? Yeah, he would have been seem one like of the sort heels. of thing he'd be involved with. Uh, was it just okay. like every heel went out. Mm, must have been. <laughs> aye. Um, aye. Strange match to have on the card. I want to say that Mabel, by... The next year would be King of the Ring. Is that right? Is that so right? the next one he wins? Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, 
God. Vince's love affair with giant men continues. <sighs> I mean, he just didn't look well. That's not a big guy that's intimidating. That's a, even I, with my gut and my knees, could run away from him. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, that's too much. So, I've got a proposal for you. Okay. We could go ahead and discuss the next match. Okay. Which, which I think you and I might go full on love affair for. Okay. Or we could discuss Undertaker under Faker, oh, which was the yeah. main event. And yeah. then treat go back. Brett and Owen as the main event. The, do it the way it should be done. Yeah. Aye. Okay. I'm fine with that. Let's do okay. it. Okay. So let's let's talk Undertaker under Faker. Um I was just watching a shoot interview with X Pac where he was slightly inebriated um from years back. And he said that this match sucked because Brett and Owen decided to take as long as they wanted. And um, these two were supposed to get much longer. And I just want to say thank you so much to Brett Hart for taking all that time. Because this was eight minutes too long. (laughs) And it was eight minutes long. This was terrible. Like, see see in the build, because I I was, I I very quickly got my head around, right, we've had the, I think it was Royal Rumble match where, Yoko kills the Undertaker, and yeah. you know, I and will then, not rest in peace. Yeah, like some weird electricity shit, and he's up on the screen, but you know, and then yeah, um, and then the, the, all of a sudden in the build, we we're we're speaking to some random people, like a, a bagel shop guy and a, oh, a fireman, saying that they've they've seen the Undertaker. Um, I, I have no idea what that. I mean have it as a setup don't they must have just been going to real people and getting them to speak because they didn't seem to really know what they were doing um odd. <laughs> uh, ted dibiase saying that with all his connections and his cash he is bringing undertaker back now ted dibiase was involved in the storyline of undertaker arriving yeah. in wwe at yeah. that survivor series and all that um so i suppose that's logical at least, aye, aye, yeah. I like, I like that aspect of it. Like, it mm-hmm. makes sense to have DiBiase involved. Yeah. Um, Paul Bearer's mm-hmm. calling DiBiase a liar. He's saying that you know, if Undertaker was coming back, it would be with him. All that kind of thing. Um, we get DiBiase and Bearer trying, each trying to like lure this Undertaker character to them, like you know people trying to get the dog to go to them instead of their, their yeah. partner um and yeah. he, he goes for the money um he goes to ted dibiase which makes you know paul bearer assume i don't think it's too wild an assumption that that is not the real <laughs> undertaker um we've got so i want to poke a wee hole in here so i would have liked i wouldn't have minded this if it had been a proper ruse by DiBiase, and it was literally a guy dressed up pretending to be the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have worked a lot better than but, what we're But he was yeah. like going towards the urn, and then DiBiase would lift a bag of cash, and it's like he would <laughs> yeah. go towards that like he's got magical powers. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the idea of it just like just DiBiase coming up, you know, finding this big guy and going, I've got, I've actually got the Undertaker, and it. It's been a sort of ruse type thing. Yeah, I mean, you you'd said what you were twelve when the whole thing happened at the Royal Rumble um, mm-hmm. and all that, and you enjoyed that. 
Did do you remember this as a kid? Because no. I don't at all. No. I don't know if I've just blocked it out. <laughs> no, I, def- I definitely don't remember this at all, and I don't remember watching this match or anything like that. Um, yeah, there's a few more bits in the build. DiBiase getting Undertaker or under Faker, as may be the case, to choke Paul Bearer. Lights go down. When they come back up, Paul Bearer is free and claiming his Undertaker is here. And then I think very recent to the, the show we're about to watch, Undertaker speaks and tells Ted DiBiase to bring his demon and face the Undertaker. That's a good line. Yeah. Again, would have worked better if it wasn't just, I don't know, under Faker in the end. <sighs> so, so Brian Lee that plays the fake Undertaker was, I thought he, I mean, I, I think he does a good job of one acting like him um, as far as in-ring. Uh-huh. I think he generally looks like him. The hair down the face obviously uh-huh. helps. He's got the tattoos on the arms. I like the differential between the purple tie and glassy, eh, yeah, tie and gloves that the, the real Undertaker wears versus the the grey. Yeah, that worked. Yeah, Do you know, like think, but the just the match, like, and and it's not it's not because it's a big man match because there's plenty of matches we've watched um, where it's been two big men. Mm-hmm. And they've been good matches. It's just not a good match. No. So no, I think I think I read Brian Lee was maybe um, on. They, they kind of got him on loan from Smoky Mountain. Okay. Um, to do this angle, and he was buddies with Undertaker in real life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're going to do this, he's, I think until they come face to face, he looks like he's a similar size. Um, I think he's he's got that mm. look. He did do the mannerisms pretty well, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I didn't have any interest in the story. Um yeah, and the, the I think you messaged me about this. The entrances. Oh my god! They just went <laughs> on and on and on. Yeah. So you got entrance for fake. You then got an entrance for Paul Bader, who, you know, like just out of nowhere, the urn has started shining with a gigantic what, what, light coming out. That? And then we got another entrance for the real Undertaker. Oh my god! too much i mean like even like seeing adulthood when i look back and watch some of the undertaker stuff and it does seem a bit much and all that but i can i can uh, suspend disbelief for certain things right so i can be like hey maybe that urn just means a lot to the guy you know he's taking some inspiration from it whatever i'm not needing to see some weird bright shining light coming from it that's you do that you do that and then and then what happens next time? It's just a normal arm <laughs> again. It's, I mean, we're overanalyzing here. Um, do you know? Do you know what? I can't remember if I read it or um, if it was Brian Zane on Wrestling with Regret had said it, but I read or heard somewhere that the original finish to the match was going to be that there was like loads of smoke and some sort of pyrotechnic type thing. And when it all cleared, there was just going to be one Undertaker left in the ring and they were going to have merged bodies. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, I wonder if they thought, nah, that's too much. (laughs) That's that's too much. Surely no. 
I've actually, at a point, and I think it's just after, after all the nonsense, Undertaker just appears at the entrance. He's just going to walk down just like a guy. And I'm like, <laughs> what a palava. I've written palava in my notes. Nice. Um, just oh, took far too long. And then, you know, you've got um, Paul Bearer doing his usual routine of taking the coat off, the hat off and all that for, for Undertaker. And DiBiase's kind of doing the same thing on the other side of the ring. And I quite like that. Um, mm. And then they're they're effectively kind of mirroring each other. Um, and they face off. Undertaker does look a bit taller when they come it to does. his face. Um, and then, yeah, it just, I don't know. I, I don't know how long this actual match is. The, the entrances definitely took up about 15 minutes. Uh, the, the match is genuinely eight minutes long. Okay. And I was surprised it went that long. Uh... I, I, um, I don't have a huge amount here. I've I got some any. notes, but not I've got zero notes. So. so, okay, I'll talk through what I've got. Uh, Taker with a big boot and a punch to send Faker out of the ring. Uh, Faker stalking Paul Bearer. Taker grabs him onto the apron, suplexes him into the ring. Uh, Faker does the setup. I'm tired of this now. How the fuck is this on after a Bretton Owens cage match for the title? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Faker goes to the top as if he's going to do old school but can't execute it. Taker throws him off. Undertaker does the move successfully. Uh, what else have I got? Oh, Under Faker hits the tombstone. Uh, takes a very long time to cover him. Taker sits up. Faker goes for another tombstone. Undertaker kind of does that thing where the balance shifts and he ends up landing on his feet and he then has the opponent in the tombstone position. Um, Undertaker then does his own tombstone. He really jumped into it. <laughs> like, he jumped uh, and then landed on the knees um, and then delivers another tombstone, then another, and that's the pin when uh, three tombstones. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I suppose it was, you know, it certainly ended up being a one and done um, in terms of matches, but it was a pretty decisive uh exclamation mark put on the end of it um undertaker puts the under faker in the casket that oh, the God. urn had been brought down on the fellas with the hoods wheel them away yeah uh, do you know i tried to find out who the druids were but i couldn't find out who they were okay um and then uh randy savage who has been the host it's great to see him again but he unfortunately sends us back to Leslie Nielsen Fucking and the Leslie other guy Nielsen. again, who are still on the Undertaker hunt. They go to the casket that Faker was rolled back in. They open it up and it was empty. And then there was some really bad joke about the case being closed. Case yeah. sitting, it's closed. Yeah. A case closed. Yeah. That I wonder if they plan awful. to do more with him. Um, in that shoot interview, x seemed to suggest that Brian Lee quite enjoyed to um, get inebriated with okay. the rest of them and they think that that's maybe how far is continuing. Okay. Fair um, enough. So. Okay. So, let's go to we the main event. We can finish on a high. Yes. Let's, let's take our time and talk all the way through this amazing storyline that they put together for Owen V. Brett. Yes. Now we've we've talked WrestleMania ten before, I think. Mm -hmm. Maybe yep. the best 
or your top five manias of the nineties. Yeah, I think that's probably. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we would have talked all about the 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 whole storyline. Um, but it starts from Survivor Series '93, I want to say. Yes. Uh, where you had yeah. the Hart family against Shawn Michaels and like Knight. Yeah. People. Yeah. In a Survivor Series match, Owen's only Hart family member that gets eliminated. He blames Brett. Starts talking about being in the shadow and all that sort of stuff, and and Brett's just not having any of it at all. Um, he just he, I, I don't want to fight Owen. Owen. How does he say Owen? He says it Owen. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, he doesn't want to fight him. He wants to reconcile with him. But Owen, Owen's really. I think you mentioned to me separately like Owen's really good at this little brother. Oh, I'm so brilliant. sick of you. He plays he's, it perfectly. Yeah, he's brilliant. Like this, I don't think it'd be a massive exaggeration to say that this is maybe it's definitely one of it's maybe my favorite storyline like that there has been in wrestling because mm-hmm. it's it's so simple mm-hmm. it's this jealous younger brother who is so believable <laughs> at his jealousy and his vindictiveness his spitefulness his rage just brought on by the success of his brother um but who legitimately beat him so they had they had the match on the night yeah. that Owen won the, uh, that Brett won the title. They had yep. the match earlier, and Owen beat him. And then he still can't get his satisfaction because Brett wins the belt later in the night, um, which just sets you up perfectly for this this storyline to kind of move on to the next level. Yep. Um, and I believe they they do like a a reconciliation um, over Christmas time. Yeah, and you know they're brought together by family, and they reconcile. But then there's a—I think it's for the tag titles. Mm-hmm. They have a match against the Quebecers. Is that yep. the Rumble? Yep. Yeah, um, and Brett gets injured in that match. He's selling a knee injury, um, and I think they have uh, to stop the match because of it. Yeah, and Owen is furious with Brett for denying him his. Tag, tag title basically mm-hmm. he sees that as all all brett's fault so we're we're right it only took that that just that little thing and that's it in full flow that is just owen absolutely despising brett um ah, just say a, a kick kicked your leg off your leg or something like that there's another good promo where it's like just like you said it's just i'm so sick of you hateful mm-hmm. spiteful uh, and from there, Brett says, "You know, like he he wants he wants he wants a match. He's he's got the match. He can he can have it if he thinks he's better than me and all that sort of stuff." Yeah, but but Brett wins a rumble on one leg. Imagine how annoying that must have been for <laughs> Owen. Like I, th- I think we've talked before, like where a heel's the best heel, where he believes, um, mm-hmm. he he believes what he thinks, or or you get the impression that he believes what he thinks, and yeah, the way that this all plays out like he can 100% uh, to the mm-hmm. point where I would have thought that Owen does feel the, that actual way yeah uh, yeah that's that's such a key thing he believes he's right he, it, it doesn't matter how you know the way he's acting the way he's behaving he believes he is fully justified to be doing all of this and saying all of this which just adds that layer which just makes this so perfect um, yeah. 
and we know that in the past Brett had won King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, Owen, 93. Owen goes on to win King of the Ring with a little bit of help from the Anvil, who mm-hmm. had attacked, no, who had seemingly intentionally cost Brett a match earlier in the night. For uh, a title? Yeah. Was it a t- title match with Nash? Uh, with Diesel, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then with, with Owen then going on to win King of the Ring, you've got Anvil sort of officially aligned with Owen. Um, I love this, the Owen, after he's won, proclaiming himself the King of Hearts and King all that. I mean, the only th- the only downside of all this was I kept seeing Bruce Hart, which I could just do without. But apart from that, awesome. Yeah, I've got notes about Bruce Hart. Um, <laughs> I, I like, I feel like this storyline legitimises Nightheart as a, as a really good heavy. Mm-hmm. As like, and, and I think the fact that he's part of the family as well brings a different aspect to it because it's not all like oh Brett's the good one and owns the black sheep because you've got somebody yeah. else there that stands with him and be- believes in what he believes in as well uh-huh. which I love yeah yeah love that too and then the fact that they've got like I don't know how many we see we definitely see Stu and Helen we definitely see Davy Boy uh, and his wife uh, ringside all waiting for, for this match to, to start. I think mm-hmm. do some of them get spoken to or do some of them... Ah, yeah, I yeah. So, so I think they have to fill quite a lot of time to get there because the cage is being built. Yeah. Um, so Vince and King are stood next to a huge clan of the hearts. Yeah. They speak to Bruce, they speak to Stu and Helen. Stu doesn't look like he knows what's going on. <laughs> Helen potentially looks like she's on the way out. Um, and and Nightheart's in the back there, with a really dark sunglasses on. But you know he's he's not playing the sort of crazy laughing guy. He's playing the I fucking hate Bret Hart guy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's one of them where when I was thinking this through in my mind, and I don't think this is a layer of the story that I'd thought about when I was young. Um, like if there is going to be a secondary person that's going to hold any resentment towards Bret. Well, Brett and Anvil were tag te- a tag team. They were tag team champs. Brett then went on to have single success. Anvil didn't. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. my mind, when I'm looking at it and thinking, well, of course he's the most likely one to take Owen's side in this because he's probably felt a bit of this himself, mm-hmm. just resentment, jealousy, whatever. Um, so I like the fact I, I could find logic in all of that. It made sense. Um and it, it's that thing of tapping into, you know, usually not in this situation or to this extent, but a bit of sibling rivalry. You know, it exists. It's a real thing. And so many people who are watching this have experienced it oh, on yeah, one but, side or the other. You yeah. know, it's, yeah, great. Love this. The whole build's amazing. Like you say, I would put up there with the, the Macho Man Hulk uh, year-long storyline. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we might get into how you you know you and I were doing a bit of fantasy booking as, as to how it how it played out and, and how we would have liked to see it continue. But mm-hmm. um we go backstage after after Vincent King have been speaking to the Hart family and uh, Brett cuts an absolute class promo. We spoke about his promos before. Um I love that he says I don't hate you Owen. Um but I I love this title. He's patting the title and I'll show you why I'm the champion. Uh, Jim Neidhart, I do hate you, uh, and you stay away. And I guess that's why they're in the steel cage 
to begin with because mm-hmm. he's he's kept getting involved in various things. Yeah. Um, I love that he was talking about a cage match being barbaric. It's got to be a dog fight. Mm-hmm. It's got to be ugly. He's using all these words that immediately puts you puts you in the headspace of this is going to be like this isn't going to be the technical masterclass that yeah. you might have got at WrestleMania ten. This is going to be ugly, like he said. Um, I, I thought this was a, like a like a ten star promo. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I think it's something we've talked about before is that there's always been like this almost asterisk next to Bret Hart's name is that he wasn't a very good promo. But having gone back and watched a lot of it, I think he was a, a lot better than he was given credit for. Mm-hmm. Aye, 100%. As I said, Cornet earlier, um, I bet you wish I had a tenor for every time I said that to you. <laughs> um, and he was being asked to compare the two and, and who he thought was better. And he said he thought Owen was a better promo. Okay. I was quite surprised, but then he yeah, worked well. A little bit it? surprised. They, I, I think they, when they're opposing each other, I think it works well, uh, very well, actually. Aye, I agreed. So then we're ready. Uh, we get Owen's absolutely amazing banger theme. Yep. Is it the best? Is it the best? Is this a top five? Uh, it's, it's definitely up there. Yeah, definitely up there. Um. Does does Brett come out first? No, but Owen comes out first. Owen's Brett's out first, champion. Yeah. Um, I want to say puts the sheets on Helen. Uh, yeah, he? yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Oh no, no, he puts on. He doesn't. You know, he puts on a wee boy, and I think, I think they say that it's like a, a nephew or a. All right. Another okay. Member. I, I thought he maybe maybe it's another Did time it? he puts on Helen. Yeah, I had a memory of that as soon as you said it, but yeah. Okay, must be another time. Um, and as soon as Owen gets in the cage, he attacks him. And I was like, ah, yes. 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 There's, that, there's no that feeling of process. Aye, aye, 100%. Yes, that's exactly what had to happen. Perfectly done. Yeah. So at this point in time, I understand that um, Vince was under a lot of pressure from the networks uh, about the violence, the levels of violence that had been on TV. Okay. Um, and he told them no blood, no, no, try and try and tame it down. So okay. that's why they had this match that was so uh, focused on escaping. So it, essentially, like we've heard this before with Brett, he takes it as a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd taken it as a challenge to put together a match that focused on that and didn't focus on so much on the violence. It's interesting because I, I've I've definitely got a point in my notes where I write something like this feels like it could have risked getting really repetitive, but it doesn't. And I don't know why it doesn't, because like you, you touch on there, the story is about both of them trying to escape and it quite quickly becomes that story. Mm-hmm. Um and the amount of times that they're up and they're almost over or one of them's part over and things like that um, and they get brought back in. If somebody, like if I read a script of that match, I'd probably have the highlighter pen out and be like, that's repetitive. You're doing that again and again and again, you know. But I don't know why it works, but it does. Aye, no, it does. I think you get to the... I think quite quickly you get to the point where you feel that they're both desperate to to win. Yeah. 
Because yeah. it does start off with Owen attacking him and, and you immediately think, oh, this is going to be the dog fight, yeah. he said. And, and it is, because there's just a lot of punch-kick, punch-kick mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, but it makes sense, because of what they've all just laid out. Yeah. Uh, and then I've got here a lot of attempted escapes, early doors. I would actually prefer to see them just beating the shit out of each other, but knowing that information, now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as to as to why it's it's happened, they must tease the superplex. Yeah, I, yeah. I obviously remembered the match because I remember the superplex. Okay, but I just remember thinking, "Well, oh, they're doing it now. Well, oh, they're yeah. going to do it now. They're going to do it now." But quite a lot of different inventive ways they find to get down off the uh-huh. top of the cage. Yeah, that that's the thing. I think when I talk about it, at risk of being repetitive, I think that's why it saves it because it doesn't feel like they do the exact same spot twice. There's mm-hmm. so many slight variations in what mm-hmm. they're doing every time. And I can say, like, it must be such a... See, when Vince hits you with something like that, like, uh, I want the violence toned down, no blood, that kind of... I suppose it's like the... It was it. It was uh, Sean and Razor 2 with their ladder match, where they're told, like, not long before it, you can't use it as a weapon. And they're like, what? <laughs> A ladder. <laughs> it's a ladder. Match. We have to totally come up with a different kind of match, but they'd already had the classic where they could use it as a weapon, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I imagine it maybe focuses your thinking if you're mm. the performers putting it together because you think, right, well, we can't do that. We can't do that. Let's focus on this. This is the story. Let's let's do it. Aye, uh, even the you know like this the escape from the the door can be a little hokey. Generally, uh-huh. um, I think it lets down cage matches sometimes where you see that sort of over-exaggerated dive for the door and the uh-huh. oh, climbing towards the door. This felt like they were clawing over each other yeah. to get out and they were kicking each other in the face desperately to get away from each other. Yeah, all of it felt real. Believable. I think we we've we've talked a few times about uh, when when there's a good reaction to somebody trying to put a submission move on. It's one of panic and how do I get out of this as quickly as possible? It's and I can relate we'll talk a bit about that. Yeah, and I can uh, relate that to this because as soon as they see the door open and the other person edging closer and closer, it is like this frantic. I've got to stop them. I just instinct. What, yeah, uh, whatever else happens, I have to just get across and stop them. There was only once that I wondered. And when I thought about it, I don't think it was hokey, but there's one where Owen's quite far away and he leaps, and it's a really, really far leap. But I was thinking, ah, just let them away with that. He's noticed he's near the door and he's just got there as quick as he possibly could, mm-hmm. so that's fine. And, like, and I don't think how long this match goes. It must go a, a fair while. It's, yeah. it's really slow. I did but... look it up. Yeah, I think it's just over half an hour. Is it really? Yeah, um, it's, it is really slow, but not in a way where I was like, so what's going to happen next sort of thing? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're believably selling some of the things that they're doing as far as coming off the cage. There's a, there's a point where Brett was trying to climb out and Owen grabs him by his foot and just essentially like pulls his leg away and he falls off right off the top of the cage. Yeah, um, and he lands straddling the rope, straddling yeah. the ropes. Yeah, which looked good, pretty nasty. They uh-huh. do, they build in a few other things, like there's there's a point where Brett is almost out, and Owen just won't let go. 
he just won't let go of him. And Brett, it's like he snaps just for a couple of, like, 30 seconds, and he's mounting Owen, and he's just unleashing these flurry of punches on him. And it is like the frustration of not being able to just get out and get win is just him. boiled over for a, yeah. just just briefly. And I, I like things like that, because, again, it just feels like a real reaction. And there's a couple of times where Brett is over and Owen kind of, his head's, uh, Brett's head's over the other side mm-hmm. and Owen just dives and grabs his head and sort of yeah. pins it against the cage. Yeah. And again, it, it looks desperate, it looks real, it looks like the sort of thing you would do if you were trying to get somebody to stop climbing mm-hmm. out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some nice wee bits and pieces like Owen um, Owen has a lovely looking pile driver at one point. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, what, what, what's, what do you call the, the, the back kick? type thing like i feel like i feel like every single even little things that they were doing i feel like everything that these two do especially together mm-hmm. just looks uh, really really good yeah yep we get every now and again we're obviously going back and forward to the hearts on the outside we see bruce you know like there's a great bit what have i got here about Nightheart? i think it's that brett where is it brett's trying to get out and ah, there it is. Sorry, um, Brett's trying to get out. He's almost out, and Owen gets him back in, and it just cuts to Nightheart, and he's like, <laughs> like <laughs> chuckling away at himself, like he's dead happy. Oh, yeah. And Bruce is like standing up, looking at him, like he's got to do something about it. <laughs> Amazing. I like that. Uh-huh. There's a nice wee back suplex by Owen off. The, I think they're both standing on the second rope. Um, yeah. I think something about this is that the cage is a lot uh, smaller. It's not it's not as tall as yeah. the, the cages that they probably use now. And that helped yeah. as far as doing some of these moves off the ropes and stuff, I, I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because they could, they could basically be feet on the ropes and quite, I think, comfortably being able to hold the top of the cage mm-hmm. um, and, you know, balance themselves, I think, uh, in most things that they're doing. Um, yeah, I thought it looked a bit smaller. I, it was. It always. I always feel like it's a little bit of a novelty when I watch cage matches, and it's the old blue. The blue cage. Uh, yeah, um, and you know they used to be a far rarer thing than they are these days. Um, but I like the fact that they were. I mean, it's safe to say they were using it. I mean, they were. <laughs> they were up on it a hell of a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But as we've talked about, you know, I'm used to cage match. I two guys are up on it one guy will smack the other guy off it and he'll drop and you know it's 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 all pretty basic i felt like they were they were trying to keep the psychology of the match they were trying to keep the you know the 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 sort of risk of this opponent being able to take out a body part and things like that. there's a sharpshooter locked in mm-hmm. by owen yep. and i'm uh and brett ends up locking in a sharpshooter but while i'm watching that thinking you know they're they're mentioning in, in commentary briefly you know you can't win the match be a sharpshooter you can't uh make your opponent submit it's yeah. first to escape the cage but they're both proficient in using this move that takes their opponent's legs away so of course, it makes sense to use it. I like, but, I like that. And the, the commentary team did a good job of selling why yeah, they, they doing it as well. They did, yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm probably more used to that kind of thing in 
JR than I would be with uh, Vince and King. But yeah, they, they, they got the job done in terms of explaining the why. But um, much as there's the aggression, there's the frustration, there's the desperate attempts to try and escape and the even more desperate attempts to try and stop the other person, mm-hmm. you know and you're, you've been told so often that these guys are like these ring technicians. So every now and then there's these moves um, and it's just nicely sort of placed that that kind of thing's going on. It just keeps the match moving and, and flowing, even though, like you mentioned, it's a lot of it's quite a slow pace. Mm-hmm. But I think that those moments just spread out, just help it work. Aye, aye, that's true. Um, I think it's a lot earlier. Owen hits an unbelievable missile drop kick off top rope. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember ever really seeing him do. I know he used to do the whole, you know, when he was younger and he was the rocket mm-hmm. and he used to do a lot of stuff off top rope. But the missile drop kick landed on his back looked really cool. Was, yeah. I, I guess that's where Daniel Bryan takes that from because that's exactly. Uh, same, I so assume it. so. Yeah. Yeah. Drop kick that he does mm-hmm. um, should we jump into the finish yeah let's go Yeah, I feel like the finish it, you know you're saying it's, it goes half an hour there and it is slow but I feel like the finish sort of comes out of nowhere probably because they've teased climbing over each other and getting out and all that so many times actually we, mm-hmm. they, they, I've got here they've teased the superplex so many times and, and right as I, I wrote that they did it <laughs> uh, and it it just sounded brutal. It sounded, yep. it sounded class. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they both start climbing up the cage, uh, the, the sort of far side, the, the entrance side mm-hmm. of the cage. And I remember feeling surprised that they both got an over um, and they're both on the other side of the cage and Owen, what would they call this? A, the tree, a tree of woe type sort of thing? Is that what they call that when they... You know, he gets a leg caught and he's kind yeah. of hanging upside down. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because when they were getting there, I think I was the same. It, it's maybe the first, it, it's definitely the first time they're both over. So we've had mm-hmm. one over many times, uh, but they're both over. And there's this feeling as they're going up and they're starting to go over of, is it just like a race now? Is this just like, a, you know, we've done what we can. We just need to get out. Right, get so out, I'll, I'll, I'll race you out. But I think what happens is, does Brett, Brett hit Owen? Off mm-hmm. the cage, and as he falls, his legs caught, so his he's he's kind of left hanging upside down. Yeah, yeah. Aye. And Brett Which, jumps, jumps yeah. off. Yeah. And I expected when they were both on the side there, that's when I expected Nightheart to get involved. I knew Brett won, mm-hmm. but I wonder if he maybe you know botched and 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 tried to hit Owen, eh, tried to hit Brett and hit Owen or something like that. Okay. Um, or if Brett jumped off to try and hit him and, and, and won that way or something like that. But I quite like the fact that nobody got involved and yeah. they saw out the match, just the two of them all together. Mm-hmm. Um, so so this... So uh, let's talk through what happened. So so Brett jumps off, Brett wins. Owen's left hanging there. Almost immediately, you see Neidhart start to make his move. He jumps the rails and he's straight over and starts... I've got that he fucking whammos... Bulldog and Diana Hart. Yeah, even Diana really takes you know, a, she takes a tumble over the barrier. Yeah, so she wasn't supposed to. So it was just okay. supposed to be Bulldog. Um, and then Bulldog and Diana came up with this on their own. So he put his arm around her and they decided that they were both going to go over together. Um, and Owen and Brett were legit annoyed with oh. Bulldog for, for potentially putting their 
uh, yeah. sister in, in harm's way. Uh, so they go, she takes a bad bump, like you say, mm-hmm. she bangs her head off the rails and she's like top of her head, head first onto the ground. Classic heart family behaviour, eh? Nobody else's family would do that. I've wrote in my notes, Bruce, mouthy Bruce, clearly doesn't give a fuck. It takes him ages to react to all this going on with Anvil. Well, well, shit, eh? <laughs> so, so, so Owen and Nightheart get Brett into the ring um, and then the Nightheart produ- when Nightheart put his hand in his trousers I was like where's this going <laughs> <laughs> he produces a padlock and chain from his trousers and uh, lo- locks you and locks himself and Owen in with Brett and they just start beating him I love the whole um, image of various different Hart family members scrambling up the side of the climb. cage and yeah. And Nightheart and Owen knocking them off. Yeah, um, that was good. It's brilliant. Um, so eventually, yeah, so they're just beating, beating, beating Brett down. Um, eventually, some hearts and uh, Davy Boy get into the ring and, and the two heels over in the corner and scamper out. I even like that, like, Nightheart almost gets caught. Bulldog's got his leg, but Owen on the other side as he's climbing out boots Bulldog. Yep. Yep. It just all seems quite realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, good. And they get they get out of town, and the hearts are, are in the cage, helping the champion back up. Yep. Um, so, amazing we, match. We we got uh, just just at the right at the very end. Todd Pettengill, our our pal, chasing Owen and Anvil, looking for answers. That's right. And, that's uh, right. Backstage, Owen screams that the family have turned their backs on him. And then he says to Anvil, let's go and celebrate my victory. Ah, oh, Owen, amazing. Class. <laughs> um, yeah, so so they were told, so Owen and Brett were told this would be the last match that they would have together. And they were told that this cage match was a blow-off. Okay. Okay. <sighs> so why continue it like this? I, don't, I didn't know that. And that doesn't, that doesn't make sense for the finish. You know, your finish should be decisive. It should be um, whoever you want to go over, going over, and that's it. You know, whereas it feels like there is now something for Brett to have to answer again, which just mm-hmm. doesn't really make a lot of sense to mm-hmm. me. And, like, you've continued the family thing. You've got more people involved in it. Mm-hmm. Davy Boy, I, th- I want to say this is Davy Boy's... I think he just returned from WCW. I think this might be the first time we've seen him on telly in a while. And that's why he's going for this sort of of urban poet look that he's going for with the glasses and the frilly hair and the crocodile Dundee waistcoat. Um, It's just an odd thing to have done. And particularly when you look forward and and Brett goes into a programme with Bob Backlund, Mm -hmm. he ends up losing the belt and then they put the belt on Diesel like Three days after, Backlund yeah. beats Brett. They have a whole thing where Owens in Backlund's corner and Nightheart's in Brett's corner, maybe. Okay. I don't know how that works. And mm-hmm. Owen convinces Helen to throw in a towel. That's how he ends up. So they're kind of half arsed continuing it. Mm-hmm. it yeah. It seems like yeah, a really, right. really good missed opportunity. Yeah. Like I'd love to have seen it play out 
to WrestleMania and see them have more matches, more gimmick matches, and just more general yeah, wrestling matches. Absolutely. I, I mean, I do, I do tend to like, you know, your big match, your your gimmick match to be a blow off, but I don't think that it needed to be here. I thought they were clever in the way they used the cage. Thought that, I think they could have, and we we talked about this. You mentioned this to me as well. I think they could have had Owen win this match and win the belt because oh, I, I would like that. You're you're not saying that he is a better wrestler than Brett by him escaping the cage first. You know it, it, that doesn't put any sort of decisive end point on it. Um, and if anything, you know Owen's already beat Brett one on one at the WrestleMania, so you know, and that was more in a classic wrestling match. You know, you've shown he is supposed to be a match for Brett. I think they could have had Owen win, put the belt on him, could have dropped it back to Brett. You know, that's uh, have another match because this had legs. And I was thinking it was such a good storyline. And what was it? It was maybe about nine months if you take it from, I don't know, Survivor Series Survivor to SummerSlam, yeah. which is a decent length of time. And, you know, mm -hmm. these days that would be like 10 pay-per-views or something like that. Right. Then it wasn't it back then. But I just feel like there was so much more they could have done with this story. Yeah. So I'll I'll outline what I what I thought and what I said to you. And it's yep. all fantasy booking, and we have no idea what's going on in the background. But off the back of this, I'd love to have seen Bulldog and Brett versus Anvil and Owen at Survivor Series. Shelve the title doesn't matter about the title. This is they they want revenge for what's happened at SummerSlam. Um, continue that on. At this point in time, Owen would have. Owen would have won that cage match, so he's your champion. Mm -hmm. um, we have Brett win the Rumble. Meanwhile, Owen's defending his title with Nightheart helping him, and a sort you know he's getting out of various mm -hmm. different you know getting through contenders with the help of Nightheart or or whatever. Underdog sort of story of Brett going back to the bottom of the pile. He has to win the Rumble, and and culminate at WrestleMania, WrestleMania eleven. Yep, that I think would have been. It would have just put so much better of a an end point, you know, if, if you need to end it there. But, you know, I, I think for such a good story to go out, it feels like it ended on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's like those those TV shows that get cancelled after one season when they left you on a cliffhanger and you're just told, nah, there's not going to be any more. I didn't feel like it gave you proper closure on the storyline. I don't know how long... Like the Brett reforming the Heart Foundation must still be a long way away here when he, you know, brings Owen, Bulldog, Anvil, and then Pillman eventually mm -hmm. in with him. That must still be quite, quite a while away from happening. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, just felt you could have still done that because I loved that angle as well. I thought that the as a group worked really well as this, you know heroes in canada heels uh, elsewhere group oh, but but there's absolutely no reason you couldn't have done that down the line anyway i mean they've just beat the shit out of brett in a cage so yeah um i feel like you've done a, a disservice to owen by you know, it's, it's that thing of of not letting him stand on his own as a, a main eventer yeah he's, he's there because of brett yeah which kind of um you know, like that that's kind of exactly what he's saying. If that's his point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Aye. Yeah. So I, I think building on you know, have him win that cage match and build on and I have him beat some legit main eventers. Mm -hmm. even if it is with the help of a night heart, he's still champion and going through contenders, which 
in, in, in Brett winning the Rumble, it builds them both right back up to the mm-hmm. top of the tree to have them going off against each other for a title. But yeah, that would have been hey cool. Yeah, it was. What 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 do you what do you think Meltzer gave that cage match? I, I don't know if he would have loved it. I don't know. I maybe he did. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll guess. Uh, I'll guess a four, five. Did he? Okay. Mm. Okay. Was it given the fact it's um, uh, a gimmick match? I wasn't sure what his his feeling for gimmick matches is, but okay, that's that's good. Interesting, eh? Surprised. Um, I, I was, yeah, especially, you know, like given the limitations placed mm-hmm. on them, it's quite impressive. Really yeah. good match. No reason why it shouldn't have been the main event. I really, now, obviously, all the things put aside as far as own heart's concerned, there's so much tragedy um, associated with his life, but I really feel for him at this point to know that he's kind of slipped down and you know, like four years later, we're watching this European Championship. It's Intercontinental, mm-hmm. and I feel like he should he should be like a legit main event. Or Shawn Michaels, you know, be Shawn Michaels versus. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm sure that would have been that would have been good. That would have worked as a, a program. I always wondered if they they missed the boat in a Owen v Shawn when Brett left after the screw job, mm-hmm. they gave Owen a new contract, he signed it, he stayed. That was there, you know, and they just never yeah. never ran with it. That's weird, yeah. eh? Yeah. And, and if you, I can't remember if they talked about it on that dark side of the ring. I think they did that, like, Owen didn't love the wrestling business the same way that, that Brett did and, and some mm-hmm. of the other hearts did. He just, he loved his family more and he, he wanted to get paid and, and use his money and he was going to get out early and all that sort of stuff, which, mm-hmm. again, just... It's completely tragic given yeah. what's happened to him. But we, we, yeah, th- this was this was amazing. I wish we'd got more matches of them because between this and WrestleMania ten, brilliant, mm-hmm. absolute class. Agreed. So, Agreed. for that point of view, it's a good choice, Adam. It got there in the end. It just it scrambled did, over the line. Yeah. There you go. Fearing. <laughs> so, is that us for 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 SummerSlam? Do you think? Is there anything else you want to? No, talk I think about, you know. Richard? Just basically, I, I put in my notes. You know, the 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 cage match for me saved the whole thing. Um, I enjoyed the women's uh, world championship match far yeah. more than I expected to. Um, I enjoy the spectacle of seeing the head shrinkers and Bam Bam. Um, yeah, the rest of it kind of you know a bit meh, but um, that match, you know just Sweet kind of made day. my night as I'm watching it. Um, yeah. It made the whole thing worthwhile. Yeah, totally agree. If you've never seen it, stick it on. It's well worth the watch. Um, despite us talking you through every single detail <laughs> of it and spoiling everything about it. But, um, so, I'll talk, we'll talk about what I'm picking for us next. Go for it. So we've dinged, completely dinged the Oracle. That lasted a couple of weeks. That was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to be fair, we got some good pay-per-views out here, but yeah. here we are. Yep. What, I'd, what I'd hoped to do was one of two things. I was either thinking we do this upcoming Survivor Series uh, that is going to have a couple of War Games matches on it, which I thought might be quite interesting. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to hear some of your views on current roster and 
Triple yep. H bookings and, and things like that. So I quite fancied that. I also quite fancied going back and watching the first ever uh, War Games match. Um, Great American Bash 87. But unfortunately, that is not available to watch. It, it, it wasn't, wasn't a pay-per-view and more it was like a tour. So there's highlights and stuff like that, but there's no actual pay-per-view. So so that scuppers that. Um, I feel like doing the Survivor Series might be a bit of a stretch because it's the Sunday night and then we record a Tuesday, so we, we would maybe struggle with that. So I've decided Survivor Series, Bloodline, let's take it back to the the original Tribal Chief and... Uh, and watch The Rock's debut at Survivor Series 1996 in Madison Square Garden. Um, I do not remember ever watching this pay-per-view at all. What about you? Um, so when you mentioned this as an idea to me, I looked up the card and it didn't, I didn't look at it and think, oh, I've, I've seen this. Uh, what I know is with the fact that I went a little bit crazy with the network when I first got it. <laughs> I, I do know that I have seen it at, right. at some point. Okay. I can't remember if I was watching wrestling at that point, 1996. Strikes me as maybe a time that I wasn't, and then I came back to it a bit more as it went into full-on into Attitude Era. Okay. Right. Um, so when I looked at it, I thought, I, I recognise the main event, and I, I, I recognise um, the... <laughs> The uh, Undertaker Mankind match as well. Ah, right, um, okay. For for the reason that is uh, one of the um, kind of stipulations of the. Oh right, okay. Oh right, okay. I <laughs> yes, I think I know what you mean. Okay, I'll, I'll jump through the card then. The Go the only it. thing I know for this is is Die Rocky Die. Um, and and you know, like we've all seen the footage of rock coming out with all the blue stuff on and the whole blue chipper uh, yeah. baby face and all that sort of stuff do they sing do they shout die rocky die during this or is it after that, 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 that i think comes? it i think that starts after this so uh, i think there's a view that he's maybe been handed an awful lot uh-huh. and uh, and resentment it, starts pretty quick um, shoving him down her throat so you know vincent's yeah. never really learned his lesson did he this is 26 no, um, years ago. The funny thing is, it, he, he gets the right guys. Mm. <laughs> he mm. just doesn't maybe package them initially the, the way that people want. But maybe you have to go through this to then come out the other side in the mm. way that uh, certainly a couple of prominent ones have over the years. Yeah, I'll run through this card. There's some really interesting names here, and I really want to know who one of them is. So, okay. uh, first match, free-for-all Survivor Series. So we get some classic Survivor Series matches. Aldo Montoya, Bart Gunn, Bob Holly, and Jesse James. Okay. Aldo Montoya is Al Snow or just incredible? One of the two. I was just going to look it up because I wasn't sure. Avatar. Just incredible. Just oh, incredible. Just... Okay. Yeah. Um, versus Billy Gunn, Justin Bradshaw, Salvatore Sincere, and the Sultan. That is uh, Rikishi. I have no idea who Salvatore Sincere is. Do you? Uh, oh, right. Okay. Is that the same? Wait a minute. Can't The be. Patriot. Yeah, but is it that the Patriot? Because, th- to be honest, if you look on Wikipedia, this guy's. 
career doesn't seem to have gone very long, and I kind of okay. thought that the Patriots did the the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, I suppose we'll we'll find out. It's, it's interesting to see Bart Gunn and Billy Gunn on different yeah. sides of the team. They must have been smoking guns at this point. Um, the next match is a similar Doug Furness, Philip Lafon, and the Goodwins versus Owen Hart, the British Bulldog, and the New Rockers, Leaf Cassidy and Marty Jannetty. There's your Al Leaf Snow. Leaf Cassidy is Al Snow. Avatar! <laughs> wow. With Clarence Mason. Yeah. Who was Clarence Mason again? Mm. No idea. The name rings a bell. Interesting. Yeah. Um... Mankind versus Undertaker, and I want to say there's there's a Paul Bearer hanging above the ring. Is that right? Paul Bearer, Paul Bearer suspended above the ring in a shark. Oh, yeah, cage. sorry, that was a poor choice of words. Um, <laughs> hopefully, he doesn't do a China and start like climbing out it and all that, hanging upside down. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so Paul Bearer must have been with Mankind at some point. Is that? Yeah, is that he was. Story? He was with Mankind opposing the Undertaker for for periods of time. Right. Uh, another eight-man tag, uh, Jake Roberts, Mark Merrill, Rocky Maivia, and The Stalker. Yes, who was The Stalker again? Barry Windham, apparently. That's it, yeah. And I think is considered a pretty terrible gimmick to, to have given somebody. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, versus Crush. He, he must be a baby face as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so odd. Crush, Gold Dust, Hunter Hurst, Helmsley, and Jerry Lawler. These are some weird teams. They are. Eh? Uh, we've got a number one contendership match for the World Heavyweight title Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Or Steve Austin, it says. I don't know if he's Stone Cold at that point. Um, another eight man tag Diesel, Farouk, Razor, and Vader versus Flash, Funk, Jimmy Snuka, Savio Vega, and Yoka. Yokozuna. What a match that sounds. Awesome. Yes, Vader and Yokozuna. Oh, I like it. Uh, and Michaels versus Psycho Sid for the world title. Yes. With Jose Lothario in his corner. Tremendous. Yeah, I think I think some of this, some of this will be good. <laughs> it's really hard to judge about the multi-person tag matches because, you know, sometimes uh, they're not so good, but yeah. I think I think for the novelty of seeing all these sort of different characters could be quite fun. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there'll be any attempt to explain the the teams away uh, as we're watching the show, just given how totally random some of the pairings seem to be. Yeah, Doug Furness, Philip, Philip Lafle, oh God, Philip Lafon. Yeah, was Reen Rougeau, Rene Rougeau. Yeah, blue the blue blazer Junior. So Furness and Lafon came in as a team, a tag team. All right, okay. Um, I think they. Were, I'm sure I was here that they were like from Oklahoma, so they were Jr's favorite ever team or something. Oh like God, that. of course. Oh, Zeb Zebekaya, that's with the Sultan, is Dutch Mantel. There's a lot of characters on this show. Ah. So yeah. there you go. This will we'll be interesting. Hmm. Cool. Cool. So, aye, we'll get into that. Have you, 
have you been watching any Young Rock at all? I'm sure we've spoken about it before. Do you know, I didn't like the idea of it at first, and then I think you praised it, so I actually mm-hmm. went back and watched it, and then, uh, so I watched seasons one and two last mm-hmm. year, or early yes. this year, and then I noticed it had restarted, so I've watched episode one, I don't know if that's maybe all that's been on so far. Yeah, I think so, maybe a couple, but I, right, I'm okay. delighted to hear you watched, and the fact that you've managed to watch all of season one, scene two, would suggest that you've possibly enjoyed quite a lot I, of it. I, I did, way more than I expected to. I don't know uh, what I was expecting, but I didn't like the idea of it, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot more entertaining than I thought it would be, and I like the fact, you know, they're showing you, like, the the territory and his mum's mm-hmm. involvement, his grandmother and all that. I, I like that. I, was, I didn't yeah, I just didn't expect it. I think if you get past the whole, like, this is supposed to be a documentary mm-hmm. type thing, because yeah. like, the guy that plays Macho Man is pretty good, but generally the people playing the characters <laughs> are either nothing like them or they're like sort of Halloween versions uh-huh. of them, particularly the mankind <laughs> that they had and yeah. Um, yeah. Undertaker and stuff like that. They just, but it's kind of got its tongue in its cheek, I suppose. Yeah, um, which which helps it a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I I really like it. The reason I was asking was I'm sure there's an episode based on this Survivor series, um, around him making uh, his debut and them booing him and all that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've got because a lot of the time he's like speaking to the, the fake Vince or Pat Patterson and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, I'm sure they show that. Uh, yeah, it must have been towards the end of season two because I'm sure they have Vince and Pat like hearing the booze and being like, hmm. And uh, uh, Pat was like saying something like, you know, they care or something like that, you know, it's mm. trying to spin it in a positive way. Uh, uh, it all worked out in the end. Uh, indeed. And we might see him again this year, who knows? Or, or yeah, yeah, next year, anyway. Yeah, we had an interesting fantasy book and chat about that <laughs> as well. If if you could have Stone Cold back, so the the rumor to be talking about getting Stone Cold back for another match, and I see posts on Instagram last night that he's doing some sort of workout in his RV. He looks in incredible shape. I'm sure he's only I'm sure he's fifty seven or something. Like that. He just looks in right. unbelievable shape. Who would you like to see him? Uh, it's a tough be- one because I I. <sighs> I feel like if someone had asked me before last year, I would have thought Kevin Owens was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a guy that I'm not saying he needs the push, but you're maybe putting a spotlight on what is a very talented performer that's going to be on your TV every week and going to be around for a while. Um, I don't like the idea so much of it being a fully established part-time guy. Um, I don't think they need it. I don't I don't think that, you know, the the sort of tradition of, you know, put over the guy on your way out. I don't think that some of the names that I've seen mentioned as possibilities like The Rock or John Cena, they, they don't need that. That's that's mm. not a thing. I think as well from a in the ring point of view, he he might well be in, in great shape. It sounds like he is. He's still gonna need to be in there with someone who can carry a lot of a match uh, right. for him. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the the name, one of the names I mentioned to you that I'd heard come up, which was Sami Zayn, was interesting to me. Um, obviously, he's he's on a what feels like a bit of a 
trajectory just now. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. he's in the biggest storyline. He is a part of the biggest storyline. Um, I don't know if there's a way of interweaving all that that, that would make it make sense, but um, I'd like it to be someone who kind of that could maybe take them to a, a, a slightly, you know, put them in a main event picture, being in yeah. a, a match with Austin. Yeah. What about mm. you? Like a, like a, what they could have potentially done with ending the streak type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Done by a guy that didn't really need it. Um, yeah. See, that's the uh, thing. I, I could see them doing Brock versus Stone Cold. Yeah. Yeah. So King, of, King of the Ring. Um, whole storyline, the walking out storyline, mm-hmm. it kind of writes itself. It's, it's just that it's, it's exactly. I feel the same as you. I'd like it to be. If, if Austin's got to come back and do another, if he's got to do a job, especially like I don't. For WrestleMania, it's nice that you know finish off the night with him drinking mm-hmm. beers and stunnering people. But I would like to see him maybe just give a little bit and 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 help somebody. I I, I don't know. I don't know. If Ron Breaker was a heel, that would be a, a maybe too big of a step, perhaps. But mm. it would be a, quite a cool way to introduce yourself um, by yeah. a, a, attacking Austin and, and, and establishing, you know, like really beating him down. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Sami Zayn idea as well. Yeah. I heard, um, I mentioned it to you, but it was on the Jeff Jarrett podcast. Uh, he and uh, Conrad Thompson talking about it and, you know, um, Jeff Jarrett was of the view that he he didn't want it to be a part time guy. He does want to see Austin make a comeback because I think he's only maybe like two years older than Jarrett or something like that. They're quite close in age, mm-hmm. um, and he he was saying that yeah, you know, the shine this could put on a guy could make a career, and it's it's mm-hmm. probably not a massive exaggeration to say it. If you do it right, um, if you pair him with the right guy, boom, that guy's main event for you know, however long uh, you want them to be. I would definitely say that if Vince was still in charge, that wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't be done like that. But with Triple H in charge, I I think it's maybe more likely that he would put over a guy who could use that boost and and really then run with it. Yeah. It's quite left field, but I'd love to see them elevate um, Damien Priest to... to, um, a main event status. I feel like he looks the part and he's got really good moveset and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. He can talk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's that's a bit like Baron Corbin beating Kurt Angle sort of thing. It's just, it sounds a bit silly. Uh, but aye. Yeah. Be interesting. interesting. See what they do with it. Yep. Cool. Well, thank you for picking Brett and Owen in the cage. Sorry for putting you under pressure. Making right. you pick it. But I was drunk and the oracle was turn, turned heel on us. Um, we shall ride on to 1996. Get think, get your thinking cap on about what might be number one. Oh, God. 1996, you've got a record to uphold now. Um, I'm viewing that as one and done. I mean, I might just refuse to answer in any and all future weeks. All right. okay. <laughs> I mean, surely we're in full-on indie... Uh, indie territory. In I would have thought so. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and think. Yeah, I'll think. Your 1996 playlist. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, buddy. We shall speak again in two weeks. Until then, you take it easy. Cheers, you too. Cheers, cheers. <laughs>